Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 32. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, we are building an incredible community at EntrepreneurOnFire.com. If you're starting or running a business, you simply have to check out the free resources we have for you. Also, every interviewee has their own dedicated page with a full recap and contact info. Come join our awesome community at eofire.com and reach out to me with any questions or suggestions you have. Entrepreneuronfire.com was created for you, so come on over and help make it stronger. And now, give it up for our five-star reviews. Hoka Pontas, Zoeth Rich, Ernest Holtz, MS Weasel Louisa, Brian J. Wallace, Rich Brooks of Flight New Media, and Badger. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and I look forward to thanking everyone who does the same. Okay, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Imad Akund. Imad, are you prepared to ignite? Yes, I am. All right. Imad is the co-founder of HeyZap, an app that changes the way we play games together. Imad is an engineer and entrepreneur. He studied computer science at Cambridge University and co-founded three successful startups. He was previously a co-founder and the CTO of ClickPass.com. Imad, I've given a little overview of what you've done and who you are. Why don't you give us a little more Intel about what you're doing right now. Yes, I'm the CEO and co-founder of HeyZap. HeyZap is an app for gamers. Uh, we're on Android and iOS. We have about 6 million installs. We help people uh, discover games, play games with their friends, uh, etc. So uh, that's what I do kind of every day. I guess we founded in 2000, end of 2009. So, so it's kind of the longest, longest company I've ever run. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that insight with us. So we're going to transition now into our first topic of the day, which is a success quote, because here at Entrepreneur on Fire, we like to start every show off with our guest's favorite success quote. It's kind of our way of getting the motivational ball rolling, getting our listeners pumped up for the rest of the content that we're about to share with them. So Imad, what do you have for us today? Yeah, this is a good question. Actually, I'm a I, I really like uh, quotes. I, there's a, there's a bunch that are my favorite. They're strangely similar to each other. Two that I wanted to say, uh, and I'm sure you've heard them before. There's a, a Theodore Roosevelt one. Uh, it's like far better it is to dare mighty things to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor souls who know who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. Have you heard that one before? Wow, I'm sure I have heard it because I've read his biography, and it must be in there, but I haven't heard it for quite some time, and you said it so eloquently. I'm inspired. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good quote. The other one, I mean, this one is not, I mean, I'm saying one quote from, uh, it, it's just like the stay hungry, stay foolish quote, but uh, the whole commencement, Steve, from Steve Jobs, like if if anyone who's listening hasn't kind of watched that whole speech, they're like really missing out. Uh, those were the I, I'm a big fan of uh, the Steve Jobs speech. I actually read 
way before I started my first company, like was it like seven years ago or something like that, six years ago. Uh, and it was, you know, it was definitely one of the inspirations to that really kind of pushed me further to be an entrepreneur. So the Theodore Roosevelt quote obviously has a lot to it. How would you describe that you actually apply that quote to your everyday life? Uh, I think the main thing is like it's quite easy to kind of be scared of doing new things to uh, to not you know to not want to be different and I think for me it's like I kind of use that as an inspiration to say hey you know it's much more it's much more interesting even on a micro level to do something uh, you know like to do a feature in Hazard that could fail than is to uh, than is to just kind of stay with the status quo and never you know don't know the potential victory or the defeat that you could get from that so it's really an inspiration to like never stand still it's kind of similar to the steve jobs quote in that way yeah and how would you say that you apply in a different way the steve jobs quote yes i mean the interesting thing with the steve jobs quote and if you watch the whole speech it's like all about kind of the struggles he had and how this you know like yeah at some point not having food um being adopted etc like there was a lot of things that obviously like he had to get through in his life and it's how the struggles kind of fuel his passion and his energy uh and that's why like the stay hungry part like uh works well right like it's not i think if you have everything you ever want it's like you're probably not going to push yourself to strive further uh and you kind of you kind of have to be the kind of person who's like slightly disappointed even when you're doing well because you want to be like doing even better kind of thing, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And thank you for that bonus quote and for the portrayal of how you utilize those quotes in your life. It's really a great insight for us to see. And we'll use that to transition into our next topic. At Entrepreneur on Fire, we talk about the journey of the entrepreneur that we have spotlighted today. And, and that entrepreneur is you. You're our spotlighted entrepreneur. We're here to hear your story. And like all entrepreneurs, at some point in your journey, you've failed or you've come up and hit a challenge head on or had an obstacle that you've had to overcome. Can you tell us about something that you've experienced in that realm? Can you share that story with us? Sure. I mean, so there's obviously been a... I think being an entrepreneur, there's always like, you know, at, at any given day, you probably have a bunch of challenges and uh, things that are difficult. But, you know, one of the hardest, uh, was it the hardest? I don't know. But one of the kind of more interesting story was probably when we first started HazeApp. So we started HazeApp in 2009 uh, and we we did, we got into Y Combinator straight away. So that gave us, back then you only used to get like $15,000 from that. Uh, and there... So we started the company in September. Uh, you know, we kind of felt that maybe around December we could raise some money uh, because uh, we we needed to sort out our visas. We really, both of us, didn't have that many that much savings. Uh, so around uh, then there was also the recession. So basically, you know, all the investors. Uh, I don't know if you remember there was a the whole kind of RIP good times from Sequoia and basically end of 2009, like no one was investing in anything. So, you know, we didn't end up raising any money. And then by, by the time we kind of launched the product and we were like fairly, uh, the product was actually doing fairly well. So we launched the product, we managed to get, uh, it was a slightly different product from what we do now, but we managed to get about 40,000 websites kind of using it. 
Uh, but me and Jude were both in pretty serious kind of credit card debt. Like, uh, I think we both had around $10,000 or maybe even more, maybe $12,000. And, you know, I remember just like every week I was spending about $13 a week on food. And it was the exact same food every day. It was like rice and chicken. <laughs> it was so boring. Yummy. Yeah. So, so that was quite a challenge. I mean, take, you know, we, we launched a product that wasn't necessarily going to make money straight away. So, you know, we were, by the time we got to March, we really needed to like either raise money or, you know, we would be kind of saddled with this debt and have to figure something out. But, you know, lucky, luckily we did, uh, you know, luckily that when we launched the product, it did quite well. I think if we would have been in serious trouble if we'd launched the product and, you know, it, it had catered, uh, uh, created and not like had come pretty strong initial traction. Uh, so yeah, we went out there, we kind of raised money, we had a bunch of interest and in, you know, we finally managed to close Union Square Ventures, uh, who's kind of been our VC to date. So uh, that worked out well in the end, but it was definitely a challenge for a while. That does sound like a challenge. And you did share that very nice part of the journey of Hayzap. Can you just pull out an actual failure or an obstacle that you had, like a real ground level obstacle that you just were scratching your head or really worried that, man, this is something that we may not be able to overcome. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you something we, you know, that I personally never, well, I didn't overcome at the time. I mean, the, my first startup, although, you know, although it did well in the sense that we launched and had some users, uh, you know, in the end it was, it was, this was in 2000 and I guess six, uh, uh, it was a startup. It was kind of like a Yelp for London. This was before Yelp was in London at all, actually. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was early on in my entrepreneurial career. I definitely didn't know all the things that I know now about, you know, how to raise money, how to get users, etc. Uh, so we we worked on it pretty hard for again seven eight months. I was in a fairly similar situation back then, like you know, reasonable amount of debt, not as bad uh, as Hazap, but. Uh, and then, you know, my co-founder, yeah, we weren't, to be honest, making that much progress. I still had a lot of ideas on how to kind of take it to the next level. But, uh, you know, my co-founder decided he wanted to get married uh, and, you know, wanted to go back to a normal job. And, you know, so I was kind of in this position where, like, that startup wasn't working out. Working out. I had reasonable debt. Uh, but I always think, like, those kind of kind of changing points are opportunities. Uh, and, you know, at that point, I took the opportunity to join another startup, who, uh, which is my second startup, that I just got into Y Combinator and moved to San Francisco. Uh, and that was kind of, you know, at that time, at that time, obviously, it was like it was hard work because, you know, I was I was kind of shutting down something. But it was a great opportunity. Like I, I've never regretted kind of moving to San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley. It is great how those doors do seem to open at times when we are up against an inflection point. So, yeah. They, Thank you for sharing that with us. And of all of these different challenges and obstacles you face with your different startup companies that you've had and going through Y Combinator, what is a lesson that you could pull from these obstacles, from these challenges and failures that you've encountered that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, um, I think like I, you can kind of pull like a little bit more from the Theodore Roosevelt uh, quote. I think it's the challenges and the obstacles and all the kind of downside stuff, I just I just think normally they're all opportunities. Uh, I think you can get something from them. I think there's there's really really not that much to fear from life. Uh, you know, like you 
especially living in the first world, like you're going to find a way to probably eat and, you know, stay somewhere, even if it's got to be like back at your parents' house or whatever it is. So like, given that that's the downside, uh, like you just have to really be focused on like doing big things so that like you can potentially capture a really big upside. That's exciting. I love that because it is so true. We do have safety nets below us in most cases. I mean, the worst case scenario for most people really isn't that bad when you really break it down. So yeah, you have like maybe even like a good education and a degree, like, you know, you're always going to get a job, like getting a job is not necessarily that hard either. So there's, there's just so many options on the downside case. Absolutely. And let's use that to transition to our next topic because we're going to continue the journey that you've had. And thank you for sharing some of the more difficult times that you've had. But now let's move into a bright time. And that's that moment when a light bulb really just came on and you said, wow, this is something that is just going to resonate and is going to click so well with my clients. Now, obviously, throughout this journey, you've had little aha moments and little light bulbs that have continued to push you forward and inspire you. Can you pinpoint one big, bright aha moment that you've had that was really inspiring? Yeah. Um, it's definitely a case, I think, with doing a startup that it's, it's definitely a continuation of aha moments. I was kind of on the outside before I really did this. Uh, I always assumed there was like one aha moment and that was it. Uh, one kind of the the initial product that Hazap launched, which is a it's kind of a distributed network of games. Uh, we basically made it easy for anyone to embed games anywhere on the internet. Uh, that one definitely had like a big aha moment. I, it was so initially what we were going to do uh, is we were going to do a startup where we were going to take games uh, and make a make an engine to recommend games to people, uh, and we were going to make a standalone website where people would come to and we would recommend games for them to play. Uh, and that was the initial idea um, and kind of what we started off with. But I think with most people that probably had experience with startups, it's like after you kind of do something for two months, you end up changing it slightly. Uh, and I think after fairly close, maybe after maybe a month or something, I was, was probably in the shower or something like that. I think I was in the shower. Uh, and I had this idea to combine kind of the what we were working on at Hazap with my previous startup idea. Uh, so with my previous startup, it was called ClickPass. Uh, it was a distributed single sign-on system, so we made it easy to log into any website. And one of the things that I learned from that is, uh, you know, if you can make a distributed network, it's much, much easier to get a lot of users. As you can imagine, uh, there's just a lot of, it's much harder to try to get users to kind of come directly to your website than it is to make something where people are doing something across the internet uh, where you can leverage other people's brands and other people's traffic. Uh, so that was kind of the the aha moment where I was like, hey, I can combine these two kind of pieces of knowledge together instead of making a kind of central website where you're going to play games, make a distributed website where uh, you could play games on a you know 100,000 websites instead of one website. Now, had you at that point launched to the public? No, that was that was yeah, that was before we launched. That was kind of like one month into it we came up with that. Yeah, because. I don't know if you've read The Lean Startup with Eric Reese, but that is just one thing that they stress so much in that book and in that way of thinking is you really need to launch with a barely viable product so you can start getting feedback as quickly as possible because I can definitely see 
where had you launched, you would have gotten that feedback from customers pretty quickly or from clients pretty quickly wanting that feature. Luckily, you were still in such an early stage where you came up with it yourself and were able to offer that. And that aha moment is really interesting. And I do love that you shared that you were in the shower when you had that moment because it is so funny. You hear that more often than not, surprisingly, because it's actually called the shower aha moment. And, And they actually talk about it with psychology that when you're distracted in some way, shape, or form, you're not just solely trying to focus on something is often when inspiration hits. And it can be if you're walking the dog and bouncing a ball on the sidewalk or just in some way, shape, or form distracted, that lightning bolt can hit you. And so that was very interesting. Yeah. One of the things that I do that like other people try to avoid is like whenever I'm, uh, I'm going to sleep, I always think a lot about Hazap and like startups. I don't know why. I can still sleep. Maybe other people would get like too distracted, but I always find that like I get a lot of just like kind of doing background thinking while I'm going to sleep, like gives me a lot of kind of processing power. Do you ever sit up and you're just like, yes, I got it. And then write something down in your bedside. I have an iPhone next to me, so I'll just send myself an email. So I remember in the morning. (laughs) Imad, have you had an I've made it moment yet? Uh, No, I don't know. I mean, there's been little moments like yes, that's you know that's some level of success. But I still, until like I have maybe like a few hundred million in my bank, I'm not gonna probably have it. And even then, I'll probably be like, oh, I can do, I need to go further, kind of thing. (laughs) So, why Combinator is such an intriguing subject for so many people, and it's kind of one of those things where it has some mystery and allure that surrounds it. Can you share with us a little bit about Y Combinator and as far as your experiences you had with that and how that process cultivated your company? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so I think the biggest things on a personal level that I've got from it is just meeting a lot of great entrepreneurs. So every every week Y Combinator has um, dinners where the, you know, someone great like, you know, we've had I've listened to probably Mark Zuckerberg, Evan Williams, uh, Mark Andreessen, pretty much everyone you can think of has like at some point spoken there. And it's uh, it's kind of different because there's only, you know, well, right now there's maybe 150 people. Back back when I did it, there was like 60 people in the room or less. Uh, so it's very kind of, it's very organic. It's not necessarily set up. And because it's kind of a closed environment, they're very open about the experiences. And that's just been like listening to very large set of success stories um, and like seeing, you know, how how human their success stories are has always been an inspiration for me. And also at the same time, it's a lot of the ways like great people think. I feel like over time I've tried to incorporate in my own thinking. Um, and that's, although, I, you know, I can't necessarily like name one thing that's like been the biggest kind of win from that it's just like a whole series of things and the way you think that's that's been impacted uh that for me personally has been the biggest kind of win um and the other thing is obviously the program is really well structured towards uh kind of making fairly successful startups in the sense that uh it kind of pushes you to build something in the first three months uh build something that users want and then it kind of presents you to investors in in a good light uh, such that you can kind of maximize your chances of raising money, which is, you know, one of the best ways to die is obviously to run out of money. 
No, I love Y Combinator because to me, it embodies everything that's great about living in an entrepreneurial time. I just love the different stakes that they have involved and what they just completely bring to the equation. I think it's very inspiring. And in fact, it definitely is a dream of mine to potentially be able to create something like a Y Combinator sometime in the future to cultivate younger entrepreneurs to just create magic. And that's what you were able to do through Y Combinator, and they're continuing to do so on a recurring basis. And it's, it really is a thing of beauty. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So, Imad, we're going to move now into the next topic, which is your current business. You have a lot of things going on at HeyZap, a lot of cool things. I was on the website earlier. Just a lot of stuff is going on. If you had to break it down to one thing that is really exciting you about your business today, what would that be? Um, well, there's a few things, but I mean, one thing would be like we're, you know, we've as of this year, we've started making pretty good money and we're pretty close to being profitable. And like, it's pretty, you know, having done this for like six years, being at a point where, you know, your business is actually making like a, you know, a ton of money is kind of exciting. <laughs> so that's definitely the most exciting thing probably. Well, you did mention a couple of things. And since you were so brief with your answer, I'll let you expound a little bit. Um, I mean, the second thing is on the product side, like it's, it's really exciting that, you know, I, we like either me or someone on the team can come up with an idea that we launch and like hundreds of thousands of people use it. And that's really like getting that kind of immediate feedback, getting like real users interacting on like a fairly massive scale. Uh, that's really exciting. Like that's kind of the, you know, lots of people, including me have done startups where like, you know, very few people interact with it. Like we have, uh, we have more signups on Hayes app and like, you know, maybe five hours than I did like in all time in my first startup. <laughs> that is exciting. That is like, yeah, this, yeah. At the end of the day, like money is not obviously everything. That's why I, I was a bit hesitant to just talk about money. Uh, it's always, it's, in, you know, it's one of my aims is obviously to like make an impact on the world. And I feel like uh, HeySap is a good platform for that. Yeah, but let's be very blunt about the reality of the situation. If you're not at some point and at some level making money, you're not going to be able to make the impact that you want to. So those two really do go together. Yeah, they go together. But I think there's some things like I would never personally do like a gambling startup just because I feel like, you know, there are ways of making money that don't necessarily have positive impacts. So. Absolutely. And it's definitely good to differentiate the two. So, Imad, the word entrepreneur is really a mysterious word for a lot of people. And our listeners love when we're able to pull the curtain back and kind of expose you. And by exposing you, I mean, give us a little insight into your day. Obviously, no day is the same for you. You have different tasks throughout every day of the week. But if you had to break down to two tasks that do seem to occupy a good portion of your day consistently, what would those two tasks be? Uh, being the kind of the CEO and the co-founder, like I end up spending a lot of time probably on hiring. So, I mean, obviously changes based on like what the current company's objectives are. Like right now we're trying to hire a few engineers. So that, you know, that maybe takes up like a couple of hours every day, amortized, like sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, and the second thing is kind of everything to do with the product management side of things, either, you know, managing specific people in terms of what they're doing or 
kind of thinking about the product as a whole and uh, coming up with like the next month's roadmap, et cetera. Uh, those things really add up. Uh, but as I say, it does it does vary based on like what the current objectives are. So if we're trying to get a big release out, I, I tend to be very focused on that release as well. How many employees does Hazap currently have? Uh, 17 altogether. Very cool. So I'm going to move into a, another question. What vision do you have for the future of Hazap? Um, yeah, I mean, we want to make it the biggest network for gamers on mobile. So, yeah, my ultimate vision would be that everyone who plays games on mobile uses Hazap to yeah, talk to people in games, find new games, uh, find people to play with. We've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning rounds where I will provide you with a series of questions and then you come back at us with some amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that yeah. sound like a plan? Okay. I can't promise mind-blowing, but I'll try. <laughs> All you can do is try. What was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, not knowing that it was an option. Uh, yeah, I wasn't... I knew that at some point I wanted to start a company, but I really had not met, especially in London, I had met probably no one who'd like done it when they were young. So I just really didn't even think that it was an option for me. Uh, like that was probably the biggest thing holding me back. I think that's why Silicon Valley is so powerful. Like if you see a lot of other like 22 year olds starting companies, that's like, yeah. Previously when I was in London, it seemed like such a foreign world. So true. What was the best business advice you ever received? Uh, one of the, you know, one of the common advice that like I picked up from all the kind of dinners and Y Combinator is that on the inside, it often feels like everything is breaking all the time. Uh, but if you're kind of positioned in a market that's growing, uh, with a good product, like a lot of things that, you know, especially as like a first time or early entrepreneur, like a lot of things that you're like, ah, it's all falling apart. Or like, you know, you can overcome them if, the, if your positioning is good. You definitely have to avoid the sky is falling, chicken little syndrome. Yeah, it always feels like that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that's working for you or your business right now? Um, so, I mean, for, I think I took it kind of, this question is more like for me. I think uh, I've, I've heard this advice from a few people, but like, don't let kind of fear hold you back like basically like if you think something is correct but you're like not doing it because like you fear something like you fear you know an emotional conflict or you fear um like potentially failing etc like you should just do whatever you fear i think that would be the biggest kind of personal thing that's working for me what is the best business book that you've read in the last six months so I'm not. I'm more of a fan of like autobiographies than uh, business books. Uh, so I, I, I probably like everyone has read the Steve Jobs book, which I thought was like a really interesting read. Uh, but general, in general, I think autobiographies for from like great entrepreneurs are like really interesting insight. Absolutely, that is a classic already. Mm -hmm. So this last question is my favorite, but it's kind of a tricky one. So you can take your time, digest it, and then come back at us with an answer. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you still had all of the experience, knowledge, and money that you currently have right now, but your business had completely disappeared, leaving you essentially with a clean slate, which is how many of our listeners find themselves right now, what would you do in the next seven days? Um, so I would, I think the most important thing that like sometimes people underestimate is like the idea in the market. 
I would spend a long time thinking and talking to people about kind of different ideas and different markets and really coming up with something that was like truly passionate about. I'm assuming I can't just restart Hayes out here. But I would really come up with something I felt like truly passionate about that I felt that, you know, I could I could do something in that would like really, you know, uh, it's kind of cliched, but like change the world. Uh, and I don't I don't think that I don't think even maybe seven days is enough time to really think about it. I mean, the, the other take is obviously just like go out there and like start doing something. But I'm much more of a fan of like thinking for a long time and coming up with something that's like really going to like have a massive impact. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there's only like one like $10 billion company a year. So uh, it clearly is like fairly idea dependent. You'd probably take a lot of showers. Yeah, it'll just be I'll just be in a bathtub all day or something. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being so specific on that answer, Ahmad. And thank you for joining us today because you've just given us some great actionable advice and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one last piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, one last piece of guidance. Uh, well, if you're holding, I think the theme of this whole thing has been, if you're holding back from doing something, just do it. Uh, I'm always happy to kind of give advice personally, just like my first name at hazap.com. You can kind of get to me and if like I can help, I'll try helping. Uh, and a personal plug, uh, go download Hazap, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly what it's for. <laughs> so listen, Ahmad, thank you one more time. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah, I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, go Ignite World. <laughs> Fire Nation, thank you so much for joining us today. Are you interested in learning five ways to make $500 this month? How about five productivity tips that will help you today? Well, that and more is my free gift to you when you go to eofire.com and subscribe to Fire Nation. Lastly, for that entrepreneur ready to take it to the next level, visit Ignite mastermind.com. Join our elite mastermind community and watch your business or business idea explode. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.